Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Banter, banter, banter. And we are entering the banter segment. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. So, I know it's been a crazy, crazy bit of time since you've gotten to hear more than just me talking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in all fairness, they have been waiting with bated breath for someone else to take over for you after that. That's so mean. It's only been a few weeks. It's, it's still March, right? Uh, no, it's it's the uh, it'll be the end of May. <laughs> if by March you mean May or June. No, 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 no. Cat calendar, you have lied to me. Yes, your cat calendar has lied. Cats lie. Cats are demons. Yes. Yo. Yeah, so, what well, we're all here for this one. <laughs> Surprising, isn't it? It's just been crazy. Everybody's schedules get get wonky, and, and it happens, so, you know. What is it the kids call it this, these days? Adulting? Adulting is hard? Yeah. yeah. Is hard. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm, you know, yeah. I, I've been running all over the place, doing all kinds of crazy things, and. You know, we had what, like. I mean, in all fairness, they listened to nothing but like Zen and me for weeks on end. I know, dear right. Lord. I know, and then la- this week. I don't know, you know whether to be then, jealous or sad. Then the last one was just <laughs> me. <laughs> but so. so, in the meantime, especially for people like Noel and. A rainbow smite. What have you been up to? Yeah. <sighs> I've been working 16-hour days for a couple of months. Mm. And then I had a corporate yes. retreat. And I might have volunteered myself to run a game at the next corporate retreat. Because it turns out our CEO thinks gaming and games of all types, like video games or, or tabletop RPGs or card games and board games, that you share with your friends or a kind of icebreaker. She really puts a lot of like thumbs up and awesomeness in that concept. So I might have to run something next year. I, uh, awesome. I have the envy. I have the serious envy for having that type of boss. <laughs> well, not, not only, not only that, but that my boss is also music and she encourages, she's, you know, music jam sessions and actual performances, that kind of stuff. And they play like old school rock and roll and stuff. So oh, fun. Yeah, so um she found out because she saw me playing the piano, uh that I'm a musician as well. And oh man. 
she's probably <laughs> the coolest person I have ever. I it's like if I ever grow up, I want to be like her. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever. If, I I don't know if I'll grow up like that. You know, I don't know if I ever grow up at all. But she, the thing is, like, she sees a value even in like, I mean, the gaming is stupid. Now she sees a lot of value in it, and is yeah. is like, well, what? How can this? Well, how do you use it to to reach people? What have you learned from it? She's interested, and not to, it's not that pablum bullshit. It's she really and truly believes in the power of games to, she's to be a, who, a good influence. She's someone who played games. She's someone who knows what how that works, and so she is uh, using you to kind of push that on other people. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's more of the. The fact that one, she remembered it. We met from the like from the night before when I brought card games. So because I don't know how to introduce myself to people, uh, it, it's different when I'm at a con because <laughs> the convention doesn't sign my paycheck. So when you're around corporate people, so I'm like, all right, I'll bring some card games, and I met some awesome people, and my company is like the coolest people. Oh my god, the people there are some of the most awesomest people. It, it's they're it's family. It is truly a family. Everyone, it's like I saw like they haven't seen each other for a year because they work on a coast, and it's like they're everyone's hugging and swapping stories and sharing pictures, and they want to they want to meet everybody and just have I'm like, it's amazing, and you know I was not expecting to be brought into I, I'm usually in those kind of cultures, especially corporate, I'm kind of the the weirdo that everyone gives a side eye to, but no, they were all like you're so awesome, you know there was a there was a the 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 big dinner before everyone left for the next day, and it was based around the Kentucky Derby because that's we were we were having it the day the Kentucky Derby had. So it's like yeah, flowers and and fancy hats. So I show up and she's, and it's sundresses and stuff like that. So I show up in my skull and rose black sundress with a top hat. Fair. I made it my own, and nice actually fun. some of the other people's like, dude, you took it, you made it your own. That's kind of awesome. I like it. I'm like, wow, and. <laughs> It's weird to be admired for that, and I'm still kind of not over it. But here's the thing, guys. If I am asked to run a game, I'm going to need some help from not just my awesome and deliciously awesome sexy co-hosts, but you guys out there listening. I don't want to run like, oh, just, you know, based in a corporate thing. But if I were to run something... What would you guys recommend I run? What are ideas that I could throw in for people that have never gamed before? They've never thrown the dice to make it easy to bring them in or uh, ideas for a, a module or campaign. And if all goes well and I run it and I write it up, um, we might release it for the Patreon supporters. That Speaking of, cool. perfect segue to Patreon. If you've <laughs> noticed our Instagram or listened to our previous episode, we have a Patreon. It has a Discord. You should join it. You should give us a dollar or two a month to help offset the cost of the hosting. Join our Discord. Vote because we have a new bot that gives us simple polls, which Zen has realized was a bad idea to let me know exists. <laughs> no, I did it because I knew you would love having <laughs> so yeah no it's it's actually kind of cool like i just was i I've, I've been trying to stay on discord more often than you know sitting on my phone looking at at things on facebook and trying to repost things in our facebook group too so and 
I was just like, well, you know, this is a way that if we get more people in here, then we can actually have more, you know, because we do have like a voice channel that you can just go in and, and chat with other people from the show. I have no idea what you're talking about. I am not there. I'm not in there right now. Pay <laughs> no attention to this at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, so we have like, we have one that we use for the, because we use Discord for our monthly Patreon chat. And after that, you know, we also have just a general one that anyone can go into and just talk whenever if other people are there. And so, yeah, you can go in and see those things if you're of the appropriate, you know, in the tiering and everything else. But, yeah, so it was just I wanted to have a way so that we could actually talk to people in real time if we wanted to. And sometimes Facebook isn't always the easiest way to do that. So that was why. But there are links in in the the last show notes for the and Discord these show notes and this and one, our Facebook group yeah. and our website. You've heard us before. You'll hear us again. You should find us online at Instagram, at Twitter, at Facebook, at our Facebook group at especially Patreon, so you can join us on Discord. Mm-hmm. Love us. Love us forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But since we're we're discovering all of the fun things that we have done for the show, I when thought- It wasn't just Zen. Last time you heard us, we talked about campaigns and how to design them. And so this time we're going to take two of those examples, and we're going to actually go ahead and kind of touch on how to build those out as a deeper dive into campaign settings. Now, the odd thing is we may or may not have recorded this once before, and someone had a hardware failure. Recording is recording. You know, it was not my fault. No, no, it's it's the it's the Schrodinger's recording. Yes, you know, you, it exists and doesn't exist until you look at it, and then until you try to import it into your mm-hmm. editing software, it <laughs> yeah. exists and doesn't. Yeah, it might be that that was the problem. But as a review, uh, we've got two kinds of campaigns we're going to look at, so we don't bore you too long. Yeah. So we're going to look at discovery exploration or uh, kind of a look over the hill campaign and, and how to work that out and meta conflict, which they'll throw things at me for using meta conflict. But how do you get caught up in that larger campaign? How do you get caught up in the PCs being nothing but pawns, no matter how powerful they are in the war between good and evil, right and wrong, or I don't no plaid and pinstripes. <laughs> yeah, I might have worn both today. But in that regard, if you haven't heard us, go back and listen to the previous episode. We'll talk about what you look at. We're going to talk about people's people, places, and things that you can use in building out these kind of campaign ideas. And so because... Zen is here. I'm going to say, Zen, talk to me about how you build out a discovery exploration campaign. Okay. So what I do 
if I'm going to do something like this. See, I actually chose, see, I actually did basically like a, like, four-part stat block for mine to do this. Just, it was kind of to give an idea. I usually try to take whatever, what you would expect, and subvert it somewhat. Because, you know, like, exploration is like, okay, cool, so what's, what is over the next hill? I'm like, that's all well and good. But what I find more interesting in those are when you take not what's necessarily over the next hill, but take it in a way like, I chose to do something that was like a, a modern superhero theme for a campaign. And basically it all spun back to the older days of the supers, you know, and kind of when you have that group of like ultra powerful people, what happens when they're turned back into civilians after like a, a big war that they were in. And then flash forward to those people's children. Maybe like the Incredibles kind of a thing you're thinking no, about? No, no. Now, what the what the players would be would be like Jack-Jack and Violet in that. Yeah. It's their discovery That's- of what they came from. And it's also take my my premise was to set it before the nuclear age and the atomic age. So they're coming. So it's kind of like a coming of age in that atomic age. So it's two ages growing at the same time. And, you know, what those powers are, where they come from. And maybe you don't really want to know, why you have the powers that you have, and it's better to just let those sleeping dogs lie. So it's almost kind of like a diesel punk kind of like original heroes, and then you kind of get that new age kind of like. Well, see, the old guys are from like World War One ish, mm-hmm. and then all of the ones that you guys are playing would be like their children, so their coming of age during, like, the end of World War Two, Neat. So... Comics discovering the old school comics. Yeah. Uh, and check our show notes and the SeizeTheGM.com blog, where you can see how all of this is written up. In the meantime, Noel, what do you have as far as the exploration or classic What's Over the Hill campaign? So... Breaking the mold is kind of a staple, I guess, for this particular set. Uh, where discovery and exploration a lot of times have to do with discovering external things, I went inward with uh, my kind of thing. Uh, I went with the idea of having a campaign setting where you were characters who silently went to people's heads. You would explore people's mindscapes. You would use the tech or whatever the system you're using to kind of jump between people's minds and 
discover hidden truths about themselves, memory, imagination, you know, and try to see the world from different views, different mindsets, and how those get interpreted to kind of a mental playing field. It allows players to know characters and meet them on the outside world and then kind of explore and discover secrets about them by delving into the inner dungeons within their minds. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Oh, that's a neat take. I like it. Yeah. So for I also did a full stat block for this one, where I kind of give you the kind of tools you can use to make this happen, as well as the example of a type of dungeon you can use to, you know, take advantage of that exploration feel of, you know, how do you take apart the kind of mental exercise of someone who uses the mind palace, for example, and, you know, stay focused on this exploration because if you get them off course they may start focusing on remembering something else. So it's fun stuff. Nice. I kind of built out a classic um, what's over the horizon sort of a campaign in, you know, there's no place like it as, as in there's no place like home. And so I, I used kind of the idea of South America, Argentina and, and the whole mountains to the sea concept in such a short period to help that out, uh, if you look in the show notes, you're going to see that I've got a, a troublemaking itinerant merchant as one of the people to deal with who kind of gives us an in on how you get involved. Uh, you've got the mountainous shorelines themselves, and you've got these trees that are based on the idea of ironwood but are in a magical setting – a bit more magical and maybe have a background to it, maybe the point of the whole campaign. Uh, it's the obvious and easy way to do it, but to be honest, sometimes you need that kind of easy exploration over the horizon to another continent. Cool. Sounds pretty Wicked. I gotta say, Noel, though, I, with you going into like the whole mindscape... You're probably one of the best able to to get to to create a world inside the mind. It, it, being a writer and all that is it fit. I don't know what to best say. It fits you really well because you have to kind of do that when you write novels. So I I'm you guys you got to go onto the website and read it. It is unbelievably just wicked. It's uh, awesome. I would like to uh, absolutely toss a hat tip to Psychonauts by Tim Schafer. Uh, that game is a great example of running that type of campaign. Yeah, we recommend picking that up. Go on Steam. It's on Steam. Buy the game. A lot of the stuff from Double Fine, it's amazing. And Psychonauts is awesome. Has some decent voice acting. And Rick Horowitz, who, who also voices Invader Zim, is the voice of Raz, who's the main character. Ooh, fun. Mm, I'm a dork. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we're on here. Yeah. Well, and Yay. that's just kind of... One of those classic ideas of how do you take what's over the horizon and, and use it for your campaigns. Other ideas include what I call the meta conflict. What's the, the larger good versus evil? And I took kind of an espionage or modern campaign take, you know, cat's paws, paw cats to suck the players in a spy campaign into a war they may not really want to take sides in. 
and it creates a covert operative for the Gray Horizon, which is the campaign's idea of a non-sovereign set of opposition forces. And in a espionage campaign, you're dealing with what's somewhat of a fantasy. But I built it around the idea of a sanctuary for, for uh, predatory felines. And so your cover is that you're working at this big cat's rescue operation. So you've got potentially violent predatory cats. You've got uh, a hotline to the top brass. At the same time, you're trying to make sure that nothing destabilizes the overall world power. And it's a lot of fun, and I could go into more detail, but I would rather hear what Zen came up with in his description of a, a meta-conflict. Okay. Oh boy, <laughs> Zen, I'll be honest, Zen. You you usually could come up with some most twisted, but they're twisted and extremely believable. That's why I like well, to hear. So so I actually chose to go sci-fi with this, and I actually call it uh, when worlds collide, because you know, like that whole deep space exploration concept is it's pretty much a staple to sci-fi. Well, what happens when you get out there and you actually walk into the center of this huge galactic conflict that's happening? The problem is, is it's not physical in nature. What if you find that beings are in a spiritual battle for the minds of all sentience? You know, those crusades of old have got nothing on this war. And you have the Calvorians who think that the way to win this is by logic and, and only logic. And then you have the Gaul who know the way to win is the power of the mind because that actually changes worlds for them. I dig that. <laughs> Slick, man, slick. I, I like that idea of, like, especially assuming the PCs in that campaign are not the aliens, but, like, humans stepping into this exactly. giant conflict where, oh, we're we're on the sidelines of, oh, this yeah. is rough for us. Now, just wait for my stat block, oh, because yeah. it actually ties into this. Show <laughs> off. <laughs> Well, I didn't write nearly as much as I did for the first one for this because I knew that I, what I was doing for my stat block. So, so no, what uh, did you come up with, though? Well, I cheated for this one. <laughs> See, I've been doing the whole block thing on the website for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And one of them, I actually covered what would be a meta conflict. It was uh, Shattered Crown from the end of April. And I thought I'd bring that here to kind of talk a little bit more about that. It's a meta-conflict about a war of succession between two brothers of a house. The elder brother in the setting killed the father and most of the other people in the court of their kingdom. The younger brother was whisked away and has returned with a foreign army to usurp the throne. So... Here the player characters have a couple of options in terms of which of the multiple meta-conflicts exist for them to take part in. You have this conflict between 
these two brothers and who wants to be king and who are they going to serve and who are they going to be a pawn of. But you also have a conflict in this Regency fantasy of collecting the remnants of the weapon used to blow up the original royal court. The shattered dragon statue preserved power in the setting and protected the kingdom from extra-dimensional enemies. So now there is a movement to try to collect these shards because they represent magical power as well as a right to rule. So you have these two different meta conflicts that are happening that they tie into each other, and the players could easily go after any point of them or be swept away with them if they don't pay attention to what's going on. Nice. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That, that, that like, mm-hmm. hits all of my sweet spots, but... I. Darn it, I wish you weren't. I wish you were like right next so I could high five you because that's so cool. <laughs> Virtual high five. Click. <laughs> <laughs> but so I did also uh, expand the stat block. So if you like the Shattered Crown uh, whole block from last month, then these will play right into that. It expands the setting a little bit more. Have fun with it. And for those of you who don't know, the whole block is a series of posts on SeizeTheGM.com. You should go click over and keep up with what we're writing. And Noel has been providing an expansive set of world-building items in the whole block. Yeah. Almost as good as the card catalog NPCs you can pick up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, those are fantastic. I love those. Yeah, they're fun. Mm-hmm. Well, we are just chugging right along here, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not my fault that, you know, the Cat's Paws Paw Cats isn't as engaging. <laughs> no, no, I think that's awesome, especially because, like, it, it, it fits that classic espionage feel of, you know, you have that base, and you have almost this kind of supervillain level base on top with the sanctuary. <laughs> so, so it's like you almost can see the, the kind of, like, you know, Adam West Batman fight that's going to go down in that place. I mean, in my head, something starts with the PCs realizing that somebody snuck in and was eaten by one of the cats, and they've got to then cover it up. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to, but the whole session is about covering up the fact that somebody was trying to figure out what they were up to for counterintelligence and was eaten by one of the big cats. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious, for the record. Yeah, it's fantastic. Look, I love comedy of errors. I love manners. I love corporate espionage. It is a weakness. If you've heard this and you get the chance, tell us what you want us to cover when we come back and look at the other options for campaigns. Yeah, Our Facebook group, our Discord, if you become a patron, you get to come to our Discord and talk to us and have polls, you should join us No, they us can there. just do that anyway. Oh, we're going to open up the Discord to anybody? The Discord is open to anybody. There are certain there are certain rooms that only members that are patrons have access to. But mm-hmm. come chat with us. Yeah, anybody can find, join the, the Discord group. How do you find this introduction to the Discord channel? Uh, I I have a well, you have to download Discord first, which is... Have a Discord app. You have to get the Discord app. If you don't know Discord, go to Facebook, ask us what it is. Yeah. And then we will... Um, then you... There's going to be an invite 
on the website and in the stat in the um, show notes. I'll also put a link to it. But yeah, I've actually been. I actually just added a couple of things like we're now on Spotify. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. All praise the doobly doo because you will find everything you need and want down in there. Not just the show notes, but links to the discord to our other wonderful, well, social media contacty things and links to where you can download the podcast. Find us, bother us, and in the meantime, we're going to roll straight into our next topic, which is... And now we enter Stat Blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. One, two, three, not it. Not it. I went just now, so. (laughs) All right. I'll start. We're talking about stat blocks. And what I have is Periwinkle's Perfectly Prickly Permanent Pair. Yes, you heard me right. Periwinkle's Perfectly Prickly Permanent Pair. It is a rather interesting magical item. It resembles a pear, but has a sheen about it when encountered as though dipped in paraffin. It preserves its near-perfect symmetry and beauty. The periwinkle pear does not resemble its Monday version, though. It is delicious beyond description. Juicy and flavorful with a sweetness just slightly undercut by a sour note, so you don't feel overwhelmed. It can provide sucker enough for a whole group of six for a day, as both food and water. Pears truly are the god's fruit. The permanent side of the pear is the precarious part. Uh, Precocious, even. If the adventurer were willing to plant the pear and pursue a domestic life tending it, the pear could provide for everything needed. A tree of fruit good enough for all and any that never dies, never succumbs to the elements or pests, always flowers is an untold amount of riches. But does a staid life as a gardener suit you? Uh, Does the chance to retire, knowing others will covet the tree, leave you thinking twice about those precious seeds you found inside the pear? And what are you going to do about growing those prickly spines? (laughs) It's awesome. Fine. Sick. That's wicked. All right, hold on. I want to try one thing. Periwinkle's perfectly prickly permanent pear. Shoot, okay, one more time. Periwinkle perfectly prickly permanent pear. This hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I am not known for being as nice as people think I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun option. Uh, You know, give your players a chance to settle down in middle class or upper middle middle class luxury. Do they take it? And have they built a character who would rather have security than adventure. And if so, why don't they take it? Yeah, if given the chance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Noel, what do you have? All right, so continuing my pimping the whole block, I am pulling an entry out from City Block 5F-4. Are you in? It's a hard hack of the Ogilvisers. A smart network that looks at profiles, addresses, cross-checks them against known and current moods. The algorithm was made by the kids over at Unit 5F8. 
over at unit 5F under H, and a couple of the minders toss some creds to keep it up to date. It's a little friendly detector. Let's know who's level with the street and who's an outsider at a glance. If you want in, you gotta get our votes. Now the read is this. Once a week, it flushes the numbers. The movers of the network send out a list of folks they're speakers for. Related folks get random up-down votes on them. Folks like you, they're gonna up you. Deal shit, and they'll out you. Too many outs, and the network bans you. Puts a mark on you that lets everyone know you've been dumped hard. People around might still business, do business with you. But they won't think you're safe. They won't cut your deal. They won't trust you. Let me do an introduction. Let you meet a few folks. Be kind, and you'll get the vouchers. If you're just here to do a bit of work, you'll fade from the votes. And just get deleted from the network rather than banned. Cause trouble, and every face you meet today is going to turn against you for the rest of your days. You'll not be forgotten. So, are you in? (laughs) It's awesome, but then again, you do come up with the awesomest stuff, dude. (laughs) That's fun. The of the whole block should be showing up. Tomorrow, the day after we record this, so if you're listening to this on the site or on the feed, it's already up there. Take a look at RUN and the rest of the concepts for City Block 5F-4. Yeah. And while Jules has certainly had a bit of a crazy year and is still recovering from <laughs> what can best be described as an overwhelming series of long-term endurance strains, <laughs> Zen, you've got something for us, don't you? I do. You monster. I and love it. And it's called the Galdura. In the beginning, the quiet was nice. Just you and your thoughts. Then those thoughts and more random ones started surfacing. They all came crashing in, some fast, some feeling like it would take forever to get to the end of it. Then the fears wash over you. Fear of inadequacy is usually the first, but each person that undergoes the dura is different. Therefore, each passing through is different. For you, the fear of your parents was the first to surface. The dura, while individual, is also archetypical of the journey to deeper knowing of the self, which, to become a gall, or one that delves the realms, you must have under you must have undertaken this test of self. The presiding gall has only placed you in a cold iron box. Some take days or up to a week to make that first dive. It takes you into the first realm, that of the self. Later If you can come from the first dive without losing yourself, then you will get to make dives into the deeper realms. Now, now why would you do all that since at any point you could not awaken from a dive? The power, of course. The power to shape the world around you. Very cool. Nice. That is a nice tie into your uh, 
to the stories earlier. Uh-huh. Most impressive. Uh, now, if you missed the previous week, I'm going to go ahead and mention it. And, you know, we've you've heard us for a long time pimping the Patreon and getting involved. Zen actually is going to be releasing Patreon-specific posts. He's figured out how to do it. And that is part of the tease, part of where you're going to get the campaign being built out. And if you join us on Discord with the poll option, we're going to get your input on how he builds it out so you can make him jump through hoops left, right, and upside down. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, not, I'm not looking forward to uh, just how crazy that could get. But it'll be I interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to vote for the most fun option out there. Yeah. So, well, let's go ahead and, and flip on over into that next segment. Wait, you're skipping mine? Oh, no, you've got one. Yeah, I told you. <gasps> oh, oh, yeah, I forgot to paste it. That was me. That was okay. Nice. So, well, we won't be flipping into the next segment. We're going to be listening. Behind right. the scenes, we have a, a shared document we're looking at, and so we know who generally has things to talk about. And it appears magically by the control V that occurs. <laughs> Jules does, in fact, have something to share with us. Jules, take it away. The meandering dreams. I'm sick of following my dreams. I'm just going to ask them where they're going and hook up with them later. Mitch Hedberg. The following is an excerpt of one of the MON's digital seminars. The MON is an online series of sorts offering insight and advice on being fabulous in the digital age. Fabulous. And occasional insights on the uh, paranormal. We've all experienced it. Stumbling through life with no direction, no drive. You have no idea what you want to do or where to go. It's such a frustrating phenomenon. So what happened? Hate to say it, hon, but you're part of the problem there, Sonny Jim. Fully dedicating yourself to the constant fire hose of information, meaningless stimulus, and the pablum time sinks of modern today have made your dreams lonely and starved for attention. You actually expected your dreams to hang around after that level of neglect? You are more delusional than I thought. Dreams need attention, time, and nurturing before they grow, develop, and eventually manifest into reality. Without all that, dreams just wither and die. And a part of you dies with them. But now, your dreams are mad as hell, and they're not going to take it anymore. Electronic media in all its forms gave your dreams a means of escape and the possibility of finding a new home. They'll attach themselves to the media that complements their essence and wait. Eventually, they'll come across someone with a drive and a passion that matches their nature, and bingus bongus, they found a new home. Cue the overdrive. You see, your former dreams were starving and stagnant for so long. So when they find someone willing to focus on them and nurture them, they grow, expand, and develop with a speed and ferocity that's nigh impossible. In essence, your dreams became the equivalent of a digital muse on steroids for somebody else. That's why in this day and age, big names from a variety of categories seem to come out of nowhere. You know, when you feel insanely jealous and resentful of somebody for achieving what you dreamed of doing, but you still can't muster the motivation to do anything about that. And all that while you feel empty inside like you lost something, that's the reason, Han. So how do you keep your dreams? It's simple, really. Pay attention to them. 
Focus some time and energy on them. Feed them. Keep them a part of your essence. If you do, your dreams will grow, change, and evolve alongside you. They'll help define you as much as you mold and shape them. Your dreams represent who you want to be, the ideal version of you. So do whatever you can to realize your dreams and be that person, especially if that person is Batman. (laughs) That's awesome. Batman is awesome. Of course, because Batman, imagine Batman is a master at almost everything. Imagine Batman doing Dance Dance Revolution. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I almost think Robot Chicken did that at one point. I, I would not be surprised. Batman in a gardening outfit. <laughs> I am sure we have an action figure that includes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> But with that, and our fun, and the fact that we've talked about a lot of campaigns, we're going to go ahead and roll on into our next segment, which is... Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. Okay. So, this is a long one, guys. All right. And part of the reason is, is because when I tell you the word, you will then understand why. Because the word is Shorn. I know Shorn. He's a good friend. We hang out sometimes. <laughs> that is not the same Shorn. You're thinking oh. of Sean? No, no, no. I know Sean. Shorn's this other guy. Big energy being. Very friendly. <laughs> likes to illuminate everything. No, that that's that's Lumin that's Lumiere, which is something different. But we have a guest. <laughs> a guest, but uh, I'll stop now. Okay, so, shorn. <laughs> now, the definition of shorn is actually just the past participle of sheer. And you're like, okay. Well, mm. I, I, felt, I felt really bad just being like, oh, the definition is it's a past participle of a different word. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to go into sheer. I feel like we've been hoodwinked. We, you have. I'm because shocked, amazed that we've had a bait and switch from Zen. I know, right? <laughs> so it is okay to shear. Uh, is to cut off the hair or to cut or clip hair, wool, etc. from someone or something. Uh, Also, like, a lawn. And it's also chiefly from Scotland. It is to reap with a sickle. Are are you saying the word we most associate with, you know, removing the fur of sheep comes from Scotland? Yeah. I know, right? But it actually yeah. doesn't refer to that predominantly. It, it actually means in Scotland to reap with a sickle as opposed to, um, like shaving an animal. I'm going to roll disbelief. Yep. Uh, Marion Webster, actually, is uh, definition 1C. 
no, no. If you are a fan listening from Scotland, please help us settle this debate between Nolan Zen. Rather than us having to have a dice roll off, find us on the Facebook, find us on the group, find us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever, and tell us which of them is wrong. I know who I think is probably wrong. Zen! But I need someone to back me up here. Hey, I'm telling you what Miriam Webster told me. Madam Webster can sit down comfortably. I will serve her tea, and we will find someone else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, it also is to cut or trim with shears or a similar instrument. Also, to cut with something sharp or to deprive of something as if by cutting. And so then if I shear you of hope. Yes. If I were to shear your future of any way of advancement, were I a big villain, I could shear your life. Yeah. Well, that's so. almost like a, the kind of Greek mythology thing, right? The well, lady, I mean, the threads of life and shear. Yeah, I think say if the fates aren't yeah. involved somewhere, Zen, tell us, where does this come from? Are the fates involved and skeins in particular? I'm okay, curious. so... Here's here is the the uh, etymology here. It is uh, it actually goes all the way back to Sanskrit, and I am not even going to attempt to butcher that because it's really bad. It's yeah, I'm not even going to try, but it means he injures. And then it goes to Greek, which is uh, kirin, or to cut or shear. And then it goes to Latin, uh, curtis, which is mutilated or curtailed. Then you go from, uh, you go to Old English. And also Old Norse both have one, which means to cut. And then it goes to Middle English to present-day English. So, so you're saying ancient Greek isn't the start of this one? Nope. Sanskrit. There you go. Deep dive from yeah. your friends at SeizeTheGM.com. Yeah. <laughs> so the first known use as a verb is before the 12th century. That's all that they will say. Sometime <laughs> in the past, before we were writing everything down, this was already accepted. Yeah, and also as a noun. Um, the lookup popularity of shear is in the bottom 50% of words, and the lookup popularity of shorn is actually the bottom 40%. So, neat. Yeah, you will look up shorn less often than you will look up shear. Yep. Well, you probably could see one involved with the other, so... It makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. But, and with that, it's time for us to roll into our closing remarks and recommendations for what will keep you fed with your imagination and fun until you hear us again. Zen, what do you have? Okay, so I have actually been listening to, over the last couple of weeks, the Shannara Chronicles. Ooh. And 
I, it's the first time that I've actually gotten through more than about the first 20 or 30 pages. Every time I sit down to actually read the physical book, I just don't have time. Huh. And so with all of the walking that I do at work, I'm able to listen to audiobooks like continuously. And so I've actually started I'm into Wish Song. I'm only I'm over oh. halfway done with Wish Song already. And but the thing is not so much that it's what I'm listening to, it's how I'm listening to it. Because if you like audiobooks, you should if you don't have like like Audible, you only get like one credit a month or three credits. You know, there's a certain number of credits per month that you get with your subscription. But you know who has an unlimited number per month? Is your local library. Uh-huh. And like I actually use an app that my library card, I just put my library card number in. It pulls my information, and it allows me to use um, my library's audiobook collection to read. I can also so, do uh, Kindle. For those of you who don't know, your library has ebooks. Yeah. If you're ever worried about not wanting to actually pay for even ebooks, if you've got a point where you're just kind of like, eh, get a library card. A, yeah. help out your local government. B, they've got ebooks and ways for you to rent and borrow those books electronically instead of just physically. Comic books have become a new thing as we've all seen the rise of role playing games as geek culture in the last couple of years. They've got a lot. My local library has how to play D and D sessions for kids. Look at your local library again if you haven't in a while. And yeah. for once, I'm going to say, listen to Zendad. <laughs> Your local library probably has an app that lets you listen and, and rent ebooks. So I know the one that mine uses is Libby. But mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of, you know, not everybody uses it. But, you know, if you go into your library, they'll tell you, like, if you, if you talk to a librarian, they will tell you, they'll give you the paper. So that you can figure out how to do it. Uh, or go to their website. Magic. Librarians are magic. Yeah, they uh, are. The, the, the only thing I would uh, caveat to, to that, because I love libraries. Libraries are awesome. But if you're going to read a book at your library, maybe on social media, throw the author some hype, share with people how much you love the book. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody else might pick it up then. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you buy yeah. it, lend it in... You know, uh, at sometimes the library sales, you know, where they have that cool book and you can use that as kind of like your own lended, you know, yeah. have it take a trip around to lend it to everyone else. Yeah, it's it's been support your local library, use it, find ways to get your new books and talk about it on social media, especially for people who you may not have seen talked about before. We got a lot of new people who are writing. If you find something wonderful, share it so that people know to look for it. Yeah. So people like Noel get the credit they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I actually have, uh, I started a Goodreads. So if you are on Goodreads and you want to find me, just look for Zen Dead and you can, you know, 
become, you can see what I've been reading and listening to. I include all of my comics in it. Mm, as well i i have i've only been doing it for about three months and i'm already at over 142 books good lord man (laughs) okay well you know zen is making us all feel bad (laughs) about how much we're reading and how much we're not my schedule has not always been good I'm going to go ahead and you know throw out Into the Badlands, which is now finished on AMC. It is, frankly, a textbook class in how to use design and styling, how to use evocative design to expand world building. And as you watched it season over season, you could see how campaigns built upon themselves. And as much as we talked about it, that show, even in its limited numbers – went from a succession of power to micro-conflict to macro-conflict in a few short seasons. Find it now. Get to all of your on-demand media and let AMC know how silly they were to cancel this and watch as much as possible, especially if you love gorgeously laid-out cinematic martial arts conflicts. Yeah. Yeah, I actually... Uh, it's also on... Uh, Netflix. Yes. Now. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, my wife like was like, you need to see this. So I think I watched like the first two episodes. Oh, you and have but barely oh, begun. I know. Welcome, welcome, my child. <laughs> I know. It's, <laughs> it was really good. My child. It was really good. So, uh, Jules, what do you have? All right, for me. The thing is, like, I've been trying to get inspiration on coming up with ideas for campaigns, stat blocks, random stuff. And I have, I got to tell you, the Game Theorist YouTube channel has probably been a godsend. One, it's funny and kind of goofy, but it goes into weird theories, like unraveling the truth about, like, Five Nights at Freddy's or Bending the Ink Machine. One, I learned a couple interesting things about, like, the golden age of animation, you know, like the rivalry between the Fleischer Studios and Disney Studios, which was kind of interesting. But if you take that uh, and, and you put it into something else, it actually helps you f- come up with, I, I want to say, like almost secret backbones for your world. You know, uh, b- the idea of, you know, Princess uh, Princess Peach, who was originally Princess Toadstool and they go into like all the, all the original lore of Mario and how she's like some kind of horrible infestation, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's like, okay, you have what's on the surface and then you have kind of what's really going on. And it's an interesting way, if you think about it, to do almost like a two-level world development, like where you know what the real theory is, but you present it like on the surface. So it's actually – I have found it kind of an interesting way of coming up with worlds or – just random stuff you can stick in your game. And it's fun. He has like another one called like the film theorists, you know, where he goes and like Thanos can't snap and stuff like that. It's, it's hilarious, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, I really enjoyed it. And I was, I was surprised because not only that, but he actually does as much as can be done with certain video games, what have you uses science or this and that, the other, like he, he figured out like, what is the, the monetary value of Luigi's mansion? You know, going about the size. And it, it, for me, I found that fascinating. 
if you think about it, because you're taking like random goofy stuff out of video games. But then you, if you think about it, you can kind of apply that same uh, thing, but in reverse to uh, since we've been talking about world building. It's like because I've used, uh, you know, at least some of the techniques from game theory to come up with some of that du- uh, that dual world of like what the what your players see and experience versus that whole, whole undercurrent. So and it's yeah. kind of fun. He's got uh, me. I, I stumbled on because of Bendy and the Ink Machine. And I love that game. And I just, you know, watched so many of them. It, it was a lot of fun. So, you know, if, if you want to get into it's like conspiracy theories without being crazy, because we all know it's about video games. <laughs> but it's it. But it's not like this is all serious. And he always ends up he always ends it with that's just a theory, a game theory. So it always is. It lets you know, it's like, don't take all these too seriously. It's just theories on games or theories on movies. Yeah. And I think that kind of he's like he he's put all these real true to the world's like stuff that you can do, but at the very end, and no matter what he always reminds you, he's like, I'm not right, I'm not wrong. This is my theory. Here's how I came up with it. And that's just what it is. It's just a theory. Yeah. So you know, like enjoy yourself. A, that kind of external hive mind thing that fans can bring to a uh a particular subject or fandom is a, is always pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because sometimes you'll think about stuff in a way that you didn't think about it before. So I was like, wow. Okay. And it, for some of it, you know, you can get really interesting ways on thinking about stuff. It's like being taught how to think critically, but you do it through games. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. And no, why don't you okay. take us home? So, in the free time I've managed to ink out the last couple of weeks, I have been rewatching The Venture Brothers. I've been a couple seasons behind, so when I heard that season seven had come out late last year, I was like, you know what? It's time to catch up. And that is a great show to watch if you're looking for an example of having so complicated of a meta plot that the main protagonist may not even be aware it exists or how much it affects them. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. Some of the early stuff are, d- hasn't quite aged as well, but the series, yeah. I'm a couple it's of seasons Patrick behind Warburton as well. He's one so. of the voice actors too. You know, mm-hmm. it's Patrick freaking Warburton, the guy that, you know. Yeah. And did the tick. Yes. I was, you know, and the and uh, Zen, d- your your wife has the most awesome Venture Brothers tattoo. Oh, I know. Is, <laughs> I love it. It is it, it is the ultimate she, of awesome. And she does. There's also some great great quotes in there, and there's a lot of subversion of certain tropes. Yes. Oh yeah, well, I, yeah. I like how the the earlier seasons start with kind of the the theme of failure, mm-hmm. and how around season four or five they start going, okay, well. What about if we start having more character growth as repercussions to these failures? And I, I think the show does a really good job of showing, okay, well, these failures in the past don't necessarily have to define our future, but they can help shape it and define better who we can be. I mean, yeah. if you ever wanted Johnny Quest to fail, yes. this is the show for you. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Just, just, just without a doubt, it starts from a riff on and a, a satire of the Johnny Quest shows from decades ago. Yeah. And goes from there. 
But you have spent a lot of time listening to us. You've heard us talk a lot about campaigns and other fun. And honestly, it's great to have all four of us back together, but we'd like to hear from you. Find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Search any of us out and let us know what you're thinking. Join us on Discord, become a patron on Patreon, and we will be happy to hear from you. Yes. And until the next time, our best advice to you is... <laughs> I mean... Zen, this is your... Yeah, I'm, I'm handing oh, it off. Oh, yeah. This is what we call a handoff. Oh, the handoff. The handoff. I, I just fumble the baton. I do. I fumble the baton every damn time. Now, have, have, awesome, have awesome games and roll some dice, folks. Until next time. Keep playing. Bye-bye! Contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050GardMoget. And the show's Twitter account is at SeizeTheGM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash SeizeTheGM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seize the GM.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash seize the GM podcast. And we thank you. joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage www.seizethegm.com Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.